Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to Irish Tech News Podcast with Ronan Leonard. And Ruben Godfrey. We're recording it live at the Bank of Ireland Startup Hub uh, building in uh, Grand Cross Square. So, uh, over the past uh, week or so, we've been at a few events, or going to a few events. Yeah. One of them we're going to, I'm going to is Digital DNA in Belfast, which starts uh, today and ends tomorrow evening. And it's been going for a, couple, for a few years now, since 2013 in Belfast. And it aims to uh, give businesses the skills, knowledge, and understanding to implement digital technology in their, in their operations. And there's going to be a lot of speakers at this event. People uh, like Colin Mind uh, are around a few others there. So I'm heading down to that this afternoon. should be a good event. And uh, I'm looking forward to taking a few interviews for Irish Tech News. Wasn't there somebody you spoke to last week as well, recently, on one of the podcasts? Yeah, Neil Murphy, she's going to be at that as well, giving a talk as well. She was the girl we interviewed. And she also was in the Virgin Voom uh, business contest. But sadly, she didn't get into the next next round. Mm-hmm. Um, another event that was on this week was in Moscow in the Skolkovo Institute or the, uh, basically it's an innovation centre just outside Moscow um, and they put on a startup village this week uh, I was due to attend but couldn't get my visa sorted in time so I had to watch it online and uh, I'll have another piece uh, written piece coming out this week uh, just reviewing what I saw online, it was a pretty impressive lineup. Um, you know, the likes of Tesla and, and all these other big, interesting, massive tech companies that were, were there giving presentations. But yeah, the idea is it's kind of Russia's answer to, to Silicon Valley, and uh, they're trying to grow it every year. Uh, it looked like a really interesting event. I was gutted I couldn't couldn't make it in the end. Um, so yeah, I'm going to do everything I can now to make sure that <laughs> that I get the message across, and uh, I'm still on the invite list for next year, hopefully. Well, hopefully next year, basically, you want a problem with the visa. I want to I sort my visa out now for next year so I don't miss out. No excuses. It's a terrible reason not to travel, but, yeah. um, you know, you think that the world is... You get too used to travelling around it within Europe. Sometimes yeah, we just too get... used to Ryan, you're just flying here and there. Then exactly, just... exactly, yeah, yeah. And is it the same date each year, or does they vary? <clears throat> well, the, the, the nature of it is that they're, you know, with any startup community, I think there's some fall-off and some sort of get-going, you know, so... Uh, it's a very varied, really varied uh, lineup of people, but they have. Um, there's all sorts of innovation going on in across the board. It's not just software. It's not just hardware. It's not just material science. It's really, you know, full range. So, like I say, I'll keep an eye out and I'll have another review of, of what I saw online. Yep. Uh, or the live streaming. I'll, I'll be able to get that up this week. That should be good. I'm looking forward to that because I know you're you're looking forward to going to these events a lot more. So now. Well, yeah, no, it's, I mean, I've always been keen on going to events. Um, there's another one coming up this week, I guess, in Dublin, the, the Startup Angels. Yeah. You know a bit more about that than me. I think Simon Cocking is, yeah, is going to... Yeah, I'm going to, to that. That's happening. That starts, uh, that's on tomorrow and Thursday in Google Foundry. And what it is, is uh, it's guys from Southern Valley come across and giving talks about what how to invest in companies, what they're looking for, and what tips they can give to startups. And Simon's moderating one of the talks on Thursday morning. should be good. Mm-hmm. He's on just, just uh, after Anno D from Stuckin' Public. So it should be interesting. Okay. Because we have two, cause <laughs> we'll, head. Because we'll have, we'll have two tech publications actually at this, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. normally you get one or the other uh, actually chairing uh, talks in the event, but to get both there, it's pretty impressive. So. Cool. 
glad I first seen that. Um, another initiative Simon was involved with this week was the uh, the fintech top twenty. Yeah, that's the thing that he's uh, actually we actually launched it this morning. This morning, okay. Yeah, and it's been launched with our, uh, I was at an act last week at the uh, an event with the uh, Irish Australian Chamber of Commerce and the organizer of, of that. Is actually uh, at, at, at was actually at the event, so he was a bit more. He was uh, launching this with Simon, so I'm just going to get the details of. What's that. the aim of the? I mean, this is basically inviting people to be included upon a list where there's a, yeah. a, a, a panel of curators who are assessing the the technology. Is that, is that yeah? The, mm-hmm. What they do is about what the idea is that their their curation basically. Uh, What's what's the best things in there in fintech in Ireland? Mm-hmm. And no, at the moment, there's no list. At the moment, you've got certain media people like um, some, we might say in the Irish Times and Business Post, oh these guys are good, but not fintech. Yeah. So the guy he's doing it with is actually uh, one of the guys he's doing it with is Peter Oakes. He's found in fintech Ireland. Mm-hmm. He's extra. Uh, he's an he's ex director of Irish Central Bank. So. It's interesting. So he's got a, quite a few guys involved. Also, John Kulikin's involved from the uh, head of the fintech lab in Accenture. He was on a podcast uh, uh, two months ago, uh, in, in April. Mm-hmm. He's Brian Caulfield, who's a partner yeah. at uh, Draper Spree. And uh, he has Anne Scally, who's a KPMG tech partner. Okay. He has Mary McKenna, who's an Irish entrepreneur and storyteller. She's done stuff like a tech, tech for Good cast. Uh, SCIE Social Care and is also Hazel Moore co-founder First Capital and Mary Carty Executive Director of Launchpad NUIG So you have a, a good mix of yeah. academics big business big consultancies and some more uh, sort of startup phase Yeah and also fintech, yeah. yes Carla Hearn who is the CEO of Red Planet Red Planet used to be Weira well, they moved across to uh, when O2 got sold last year, where it closed down. Mm-hmm. And the guys who, who were running that moved to a place called Red Planet, which is in the Guild, Guild House on Guild Street, just across the river. Uh-huh. So he's going to be at that, which is nice. So you get an incubation centre for startups talking about uh, this as well. So mm-hmm. they're planning basically, you can go to Irish Technics website and you can see more details about how to, how to apply and what that is. You uh, fill a form in from mm-hmm. that, and then they, they go and these judges decide. If your if your business is worthy of, yeah. of making the list, okay. So it's just kind of going to give people when they uh, a search directory almost like you, you, if you're searching for fintech Ireland, this would be a, a, a list of companies who are active, who are involved, who are who are progressing fintech. Yeah. yeah. And cool. it could be like if somebody if some somebody won, won a fintech award in Europe and we think great, they're eligible, great. You won't get somebody in the startup who's going to be three months. And yeah. That's it because my their is going to be. What are these guys done to be in this? Sure, sure. There's so no they have to be innovative, or they have to be profitable, or they have to be really pushing it out there a bit to be to be considered and included. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, you could even think of if, like something like Stripe could be an example. Mm-hmm. You can mention because even though the base is like a value, the two founders are Irish. Yeah, true, true. So there's something you can look at. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, another company that. Um, was made the news this week as Datalex. You, yeah, you, you wrote a piece about them, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I was at the launch on th- last Thursday. They actually, with Datalex, when I was at their event, they launched 200 new jobs in the in the uh, worldwide. Uh, there's jobs in, I think, in uh, China, uh, Atlanta, Manchester, and also 100 jobs going to be based in Ireland. They used to be based in Hoth, but they moved recently to a new office, East Park Business Park. And... Uh, 
I seen their old place in Hoth, and it was just in the seafront. And these guys have grown over the past 15 years to be one of the world leaders in, in uh, travel tech. And they've now got a lot of airlines, like Erling, etc., who are some of their clients. What is the, what's the core business? The core business, is, oh, no, I think it's just uh, travel technology. They, okay. They help, they help with airlines when they manage the buckets, I think. Booking management, yeah, okay. Yeah. But uh, I went to their event. I was only Prescott in the room, which was some kind of surprised me. <laughs> you get a lot of events you go to, and you expect to have more, more media presence. Yeah. But for me, it was great because when you're the only guy in the room, they're happy to, to, to look after you. Yes, yeah. And I said, look, I said, come back to you again. He goes, great, I want to get you guys a podcast. Because let us know when we'll do that. So my view, it's great to do that because if you're the only guy in the room, you get more from them. The so more we can look forward to a, an in-depth interview with Datalex about yeah. about their their expansion, and uh, they're going to do a podcast on that. Yeah, yeah, from their premises. Excellent. Um, other news this week was uh, Mark Dalton put up a nice, um, an interesting piece about Snapchat versus Twitter and the sort of different ways that can be used. What were your thoughts on that? Well, Mark was saying that basically Twitter is, is used a lot less than Snapchat now. Mm. For business? Or yeah, for, for I think for business. Yeah. And personal as well. And I can't, I, I can, I can't, I can't quite get it yet. Because it's it's still, to me, it's a great product. But Twitter, Snapchat, yeah. yeah. But the thing with Twitter, if you want to share an article you've written, you can't do that Snapchat as such. It's harder to do. Yeah, I don't know if that's a generational thing. I mean... You know, it's a bit lazy maybe to say that Snapchat's just being used by millennials, but it does seem that it's growing in popularity as more and more younger people are coming into the the, the business environment, yeah. you know, or coming into the, the well, coming into work basically. Um, I still can't really figure out. I'm going to give that a good read and talk to Mark about this and figure out how Snapchat is is being used. I mean, I, I just don't really get how. I'm, one, well, two of my sisters are involved. In uh, in social media, like they uh, they employ Snapchat personally um, to promote their own personal brands, I guess. But uh, beyond that, I'm not really sure. I mean, if it's, I just don't really get it how you can actually use it in a business environment and, and what the benefits are. Maybe we can talk to Mark about that as well. Yeah, Maybe that would be another good. Yeah, because I've seen before. Like if you got like certain people like the uh, MTV or uh, Daily Mail. So what they do is they actually have a video channel where they actually promote, take video clips of interviews or stories and put it up there. Yeah. And also Food Channel, which it has that. So you get their like recipes for food <coughs> recipes, and they do quick videos on that. So it does work in that sense, but it depends on what business you're in. Like every mm. business can't do it. Like if you're working in a business that's doing, uh, for example, fintech stuff, blockchain. Not yeah, at all. but Twitter would be. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Twitter. I yeah. think some of the changes they've made recently have been very clever. They're they're talking about other other changes they're making uh, that may kind of open them up to uh, different sort of usage. They're talking about getting rid of the 140 character limit, which is a pretty big little thing, I suppose. Yeah, but I heard as well they're trying to get rid of that. Keep that pace. But if you if you add a URL or a, or that person to your to your uh, tweet. Doesn't count as your characters. Mm-hmm. But so they're also talking about then monetizing it as well. So for power users of Twitter, if you're getting, depending on your impressions you get per tweet, they're talking about actually paying people for that. I mean, that the idea that content is everything. We hear that all the time. But I mean, I think Twitter literally putting their money where their mouth is and saying that the more valuable your content is to them, the more you will get paid for it. So this is interesting in terms of opening up a revenue stream or monetizing. Uh, Twitter involvement, so I, I think there's going to be some interesting sort of to and fro between uh, Twitter and Snapchat. I think that 
if, yeah. if, if Snapchat are getting ahead or edging ahead, Twitter have a few a few tricks left up their sleeves. Well, I think that Twitter basically promote an article. It's a lot easier to promote your article on that nose to with Twitter. Mm. You can if you want to uh, do a live event, you can just you can do it live via Periscope. Yeah. and it's has no limits what you can do. Where yeah. Snapchat, it's like twenty seconds. It's limited how many seconds you can have on on it. Yeah. It's like basically. Uh, Twitter have now killed off Vine. Vine's now dead. Yeah, Vine's gone. Yeah, that was six seconds. Anything it wor- worked for a time. It was an idea that six seconds of fame. Yeah, and then they decided in the end, when Periscope was launched, that that that's much better. And basically, Vine basically is a version of Snapchat more. So, so th- that's what I was going to say. Is Snapchat benefiting from Vine's demise? Maybe is, is there a lot of the users from Vine that have just moved over, sort of migrated to, to Snapchat? Platform, is, but the problem with that is uh, once you do Snapchat, the Snapchat is live or is, is online for a certain time, then it disappears. Yeah, a Vine's always live online. You know, it's fine to Vine. Yeah, well, this is uh, yeah. I mean, I guess there's a benefit to that, but I don't really see it. I think that um, I guess having content for perpetuity is is better, isn't it? Yeah, like, I mean, I, the Snapchat dies after whatever it was. How long does it stay live for? Think a couple of days, but it, yeah. I, yeah, but I think with Snapchat, the idea is if you weren't there, you miss it. So the idea is to get you to watch it. Yeah. And yeah. If, if it's like basically, if you if you're watching a TV show, and you know that you can't record it ever, mm. and something gonna be shown on TV once, and it's a good show, you'll watch it. Yeah, That's I'm thinking from a, from a content producer's point of view, you don't have, um, you can't sort of build content there that that would be perennial you know you can't have this evergreen content that people can come back and view again and again and again you know so with oh, Snapchat you're limited oh but you can't do it with Snapchat you're, you can do it again and again Snapchat you can actually sure. I've seen guys have actually but you can't have one there that's a classic like people you know you're going to get 15 million views no, on no but you, what you can do is you can I've seen a Snapchat channel where someone says I've got a I missed your video last week mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll put up again so it can be okay. re-put up they will be doing that at times mm-hmm. if they get enough response to it yeah I guess they're just sort of pivoting a little bit into a bit of a grey area that's yeah. for me I don't really get the benefit then if you're you know you're just back into YouTube territory Um yeah I mean looking again other, other sort of I guess other platforms that are worth considering in that in that sphere as well are the likes of LinkedIn What's your own opinion, Ronan, of LinkedIn? Is is it worth even talking about? LinkedIn is as good as a business tool. Before you get rid of all the spammers, I've seen that spammers on there. Spam, yeah. Yeah, like if you join one of those user groups on LinkedIn, you you have a problem where somebody can can join the user group, fill in a, a part, a quarter of the profile, or like just fill in a, a, a rough two of the profile, give in a net of picture that's fuzzy that when you zoom in, you don't know what it is or who the person is. And then they can go on spam and say something like, uh, if you basically uh, click this link, we can get $8,000 a day in, in money. Mm. And I'm getting a lot of that. And last year, what about that? And I news. What about that? And uh, LinkedIn came back to me and said, would you mind clarifying the application that basically is not out of our control? Well, it kind of is and it's not. If you can make sure that when you go to LinkedIn, you have to fill in 8% of the profile online, mm. that means bots can't do it. So if you, if you can't, if you have to be done by human, then we're not going to spend time doing that because yeah. they've got bots doing this. Yes, yeah. Or if somebody comes in filling in like, like a, a profile in two minutes, they can spend ten minutes doing this. They won't do that. One of the uh, one of the criticisms I've seen and I've probably leveled against LinkedIn myself is that it's basically like a kind of seems to me more and more like a sterile version of of Facebook. That there's really just it's all it is is thinly veiled sort of press releases. Um, 
and sort of self-interest groups like sort of you know uh, <laughs> tall people in technology or whatever. Yeah, women in STEM, different <laughs> things. Well, everything. There's women in everything. I actually did a, an interesting little search on this, just out of curiosity. I thought that there was a growth of women in groups, which is interesting. It's, it's good to see, particularly in STEM areas, uh, science, technology, engineering, maths. Um, but then I did a I did a search for in the groups for women in. And there was like thousands, literally thousands of groups uh, that are devoted to women in. And I did men in just as a kind of curious, just out of curiosity. Um, and there was no, I think there was about four groups that were men in, but some of the most of them were actually gay men in yeah. and various. So, you know, so I, I'm just curious. I think it's something I, I, I did. A, I did a series last year on um, women in tech sales. Um, it's, it's something I have background in myself, and, and uh, I, I know a lot of experts, or a lot of really top people who are women in, in technology sales. I'm going to do another series this year um, about women in tech a bit more generally. I mean, it's something that came up again, uh, again a little, little, little bit on Twitter. One of our competitor uh, websites, one of our competitor news agencies, is uh, putting on an event coming up soon that's looking at uh, diversity in uh, technology. What's the name of it again? Inspirefest. Inspirefest, yeah. And, um, yeah, there was just, there's about 80% female speakers on the panel, which I, I understand that they're trying to promote women in technology, but redressing the balance by creating an imbalance to me just seemed a little bit kind of far gone. I'm looking through then the literature around the event and they're aiming to have, they say, 70% female speakers, which I get it, but I kind of, I think it's the wrong way to go about it. You don't kind of redress an imbalance by, by putting a gender quota in there. Now, I was talking with the promoters of the event on Twitter and they, and they kind of pushed back and they're saying that, it, you know, the idea is to redress the imbalance of other STEM events. I've never been to uh, any event. I wouldn't go to an event if I thought that there was a gender quota either favoring men or women. So, again, I just think it's an interesting thing. I, like, I'm all, you know, the, I'd love to hear from anyone that has an, uh, an opinion about this, about women in groups uh, and what the, the sort of the, the, the benefit is. Because um, last year at Party Science, there was held in Dublin, there was a few other events. Yeah. And most people attending actually were, a lot of them were women. Yeah. Women speakers. And, and this is, I think it's just a stereotype that's yeah. just being perpetuated by by people who are, are putting together women in groups and women in, you know, technology. And it's like, if you keep saying it's an issue, it's an issue. You know, but I, I just don't see, I don't see where it is. I've worked in big companies, small companies. I've, you know, we've been to, myself, between yourself and myself, yeah. been to, like literally hundreds of, of technology events and uh, yeah I think maybe 20 years ago it was an issue but the, the barriers to entry the, the you know the, the, the awareness that, that hiring managers and HR have around around um, having a balanced uh, diverse workplace that's yeah it seems like it's kind of past again like I'd love to hear from anyone who has a strong opinion about this either way I think it could be a good topic for another podcast yeah. down the road I don't want to hammer on about it and it's not something that I'm, I'm you know but I just I'd love to hear where the, the, the kind of rationale is coming from when I was at last year we got to Kurt Kurt Dojo yeah. Their CEO, Marilyn Dunphy, is a woman, and yeah, also yeah, yeah. you have a lot of people at the events who are actually kids at that are actually girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great to see that. And in that, 
no gender, no gender sure. quota. The, the best person to run it is doing it. Yes. And that's what it is. She's chosen merit, not because of, of her sex. Yeah. Well, I was talking to a couple of the instructors from Coder Dojo. They're all female. You know, we've been to events. Sure, like... Yeah, anyway, so, but anyway, so again, so, so the LinkedIn thing, again, I, I, I sort of have limited value beyond, say, uh, self-promotion. Uh, I pull up articles on there. I, I often, you know, just by how much value that creates, I'm not sure. I think possibly what the net result of me publishing my articles on LinkedIn is that it gives people something to do with 20 minutes during their day. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'm probably... You know, it's just helping people distract themselves from uh, the mundanity of their of their nine to five. But if that's all we're doing, running, I suppose. Well, all of that, I suppose, LinkedIn is uh, to me is a business version of Facebook. That's yeah. What more or less is, but I think it, in one way, it's a bit better. Facebook has got its uses, but I, I, for me, I use it now and again to promote articles, and that's it. But I don't see it as a use for me as a business tool anyway. Yeah, yeah. No. So again, interested to hear from anyone who, who anyone from within LinkedIn. My brother works there. Yeah. Shane, get on. Defend yourself, come on. Yeah, and I wonder basically, uh, people, which of the platform do they use the most? Is it social? You know, trust me, would it be Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Facebook yeah, or well, I'd like Snapchat? To, yeah, I'd like to know what the benefits are from, from people who are LinkedIn power users, you know? What is it doing for your business and how is it doing? Because yeah. uh, it's a bit tough to see from the outside, i got to say. Um, anywho, uh, another, another interesting thing this week particularly for me from my point of view was uh, you mentioned Datalex with their 200 jobs yeah Deloitte um, they announced uh, the creation of a blockchain innovation centre here in Dublin the creation of 50 jobs uh, within that did you hear about that? no I didn't hear about that okay well it's going to be taking place basically the Deloitte uh, Laurie Keogh, uh, Kehoe Laurie Kehoe um, from Deloitte is heading up um, their blockchain initiative basically Deloitte want to be seen as being one of the leaders in blockchain adoption and um, you know for, 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 for business um, also this week I guess we, we had the announcement um, I'm happy to be involved I'm actually going to be the the founding secretary of the Irish Blockchain Association or sorry Blockchain Association of Ireland should I say yeah Um and so on the, the the secretary on the, on the board there, um, it's myself and Paul Ennis from the Coding Value Group, uh, who was on a on a podcast a few weeks ago. Also Laurie Keogh, who was also on that from Deloitte, Niall May from Coin Telegraph, um, and several others. Um, and basically, what we've done is set up the association. It, it had been a bit of a sort of fractured community here in Ireland, with some people looking at Bitcoin, some people looking at blockchain. Uh, for business and for personal so what we want to do is really sort of tie everything together um, and act as an advocacy group for blockchain technology in Ireland so to establish Ireland really we want to establish Ireland as a hub uh, internationally globally um, for, for for leading the way in, in blockchain adoption for leading the way in, in, in being progressive at a national level yeah. about how we view blockchain bitcoin uh, ethereum of course is, is worth mentioning uh so you're going to be the go-to guys for in this area? Yeah, well, I, I think that, that's the kind of way it came about, is that we all found ourselves being go-to guys for various outlets, for various communities. So why not put us all together? And, and rather than us having these sort of fractured occasional conversations or, or you know email conversations, we get together regularly, we'll get the board together, we'll discuss the, the issues and we'll... we'll 
promote and advocate the employment and, and uh, proliferation of Bitcoin and blockchain. So we see huge opportunities. Obviously, the likes of Deloitte have you know put their money where their mouth is. They've they've not just sort of said that they're interested, but they want to uh, be seen as leaders. Like uh, and I th- Laurie actually, when he was on this podcast, I think he he agreed that Ireland can really be a global leader in the, in blockchain technology. So from that point of view, it's a really exciting time. I think um, it's still kind of going through its its adolescent phase right now. Yeah. Um, everyone understands what the possibilities are, but we, you know, <laughs> I think everyone has a different idea about how the steps can, you know, what steps we need to take to get there, and and, and who the, you know, what each uh, stakeholder will, will get from it. But um, exciting times. Because in the past, it's been run by other guys who try to get into into the sphere. Yeah. And they, they haven't done a great job because they're promoting their business more than else. Well, that's you know that's the, the the nature of any new technology that yeah. that people will the entrepreneurs will lead the way. Um, I think one of the things that we wanted to do with this and the, the people who are involved on the board um, really don't have. I mean, I'm a I'm a journalist. I'm a secretary. Um, Paul Ennis is an academic, and um, you know involved with the UCD Business School. Um, Niall May obviously is a journalist as well so we're trying to keep keep the streams clean you know um, and and not have too much self-interest no agenda <laughs> well the agenda is to grow nationally and to really to put us on the map um, and I think if we do that if we put some good effort and good, good sort of good work into to doing that then uh, it'll benefit everyone I, I, that sounds like a kind of grand um grandiose maybe sort of uh, claim or grandiose aspiration but um, I think we've got to aim big on this and I think that if, if Ireland is seen as the leader in this then anyone that's involved is going to we're, we're, we're all going to be okay <laughs> anyway but I mean it, you know I believe that blockchain and Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin particularly is, I've always been a believer that once it's adopted once it's understood and disseminated and, and the correct people are pushing it um that it can be a real power for good, not just for people who are investing in it, but for society. Now, this is a hard one for people to kind of get their head around, but, you know, the true power of, of Bitcoin and blockchain, when it, when it achieves its full potential, will really be a very big impact. You know, a lot of jobs are going to be um, no longer there. Um, so we've got to look at what, what kind of comes after that and how to succession plan for uh, for what comes after the current state of, of kind of bureaucratic jobs that we all have <laughs> pushing digits around and pushing yeah. data around once that becomes kind of moot um, we'll see we'll see what happens but like um, I say succession planning for, for uh, a brave new world is and also with Brexit that, that happens as well which? Brexit happens in, uh, Brexit happens in the UK Brexit? yeah, yeah. companies there might be more inclined to come to Ireland as, and use Ireland as a I think so. I mean, I think it doesn't take much. I mean, I wrote a piece there last week about the Isle of Man um, in relation to how they're viewing Bitcoin and blockchain. And they've made a few. They're similar. They're like a kind of test ground. I mean, they've just got a very agile uh, administration. They don't roll in necessarily to uh, the rest of the British laws that exist. They have a kind of semi-autonomy that they can uh, change regulations just to fit themselves. Now, what they're doing... The, the few little manoeuvres they did attracted huge amounts of interest and investment um, 
and it's like it's almost like a blueprint for what we could be doing here. Yeah. The government has still been very quiet about. Uh, well, the government and central bank have been very quiet. We don't have really a government right now, right? I mean, we just have the same old schlock that was in before. It's a, co- so. a coalition of sorts. Aye, yeah, a coalition of what, nonsense. But uh, so no, we, we need to get, we need to kind of bring this up uh, at a national level. So that, that'll be a big part of what the Blockchain Association of Ireland is doing. Get get it involved in the national conversation. Look at what, uh, how it can benefit not just businesses, not just startups, not just technology people, but society in general, um, and sort of, sort of see where we can fit in. And But like I say, a few little administrative or a few little regulatory changes uh, at national level, and we could be one of the, the global leaders in this, you know. Um, and like I say, Deloitte are putting a big, putting a big investment in. That's really encouraging, and it should uh, pave the way for, for more investment in blockchain in Ireland. I'm really excited about it. Because once you get one big four involved, once they go in, everyone else is going to has to follow. FOMO. Yeah, everyone's going to be scared of of missing out now. So it's uh, yeah, a lot of people are, are kind of saying that uh, Bitcoin blockchain is a bit like the the sort of dot com. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the early nineties or mid nineties, whenever. Um, the dot com boom and subsequent bust. Um, I I think that's a bit naive. I mean, it, it is worth sort of. I mean, I think it's a it's a fair comparison to say the blockchain when it's fully realised is like internet 2.0. Um, that it that it's opening up a whole world of information. Um, you know, and, and some of the things like smart contracts, etc., that can exist on there. It's just too much to talk about right now. But the, the potential is just massive for, for what it does. Um, in the big picture so we'll see but I mean it's like I don't think there's going to be the same bust on the other end of it um, as there was with the dot com thing you know so we'll see but all, all exciting right now I, there is a huge fear of missing out any of these big uh, investment funds any of the big consultancies they're all trying to get involved they're all trying to figure out uh, actually one of the, the early Deloitte uh, <laughs> meetings about blockchain was uh, the question how do we make money about this or how do we make money out of this and that's kind of I think missing the point um, with blockchain that the, the thing is that it gets away from money being the only thing that's valuable and uh, suddenly you have a peer-to-peer value exchange yeah. so you, you know we have to redefine how we um, how we view money which is a big yeah big challenge so that's a big part of what we're going to be doing at the blockchain association is, is Talking to business leaders, talking to um, academics about, about what this new reality might look like. And just teach them uh, the benefits. Don't even. I don't. You see, we don't even know what all the benefits are. This is. It's a great. Uh, like it. It sounds. Yeah. It's like the uh, the Donald Rumsfeld thing. The uh, known knowns. Yeah. Unknown knowns, known unknowns, and then unknown unknowns. So there's a lot there that we don't know yet, and uh, we can't know. Because every week there's new developments, every week there's new technologies, every week there's some 16-year-old in, you know, Kazakhstan just doing something amazing. Yeah. You know, so there's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah. What you do know is that at the moment the positives outweigh negatives, so you can indicate from that and why mm. you should be in this. Absolutely. I mean, sure, the positives are in a very. Sure, talk to Deloitte. Talk to Laurie Kehoe at Deloitte yeah. if you're interested in knowing more about what the, what the benefits of blockchain are for your, your company. I'm sure he'd be happy to, to take take your calls. Yeah. There's a couple of other um, 
groups around Chainsmiths, of course, are worth mentioning. They've been big and active in, in, in Dublin for a long time when it comes to blockchain. Um, and they're they're doing quite well. Uh, so, it's, yeah, Chainsmiths, it'd be worth talking to them if you want to figure out a bit more about, uh, about blockchain. Yeah. Tell um, Kevin we sent you. Tell Kevin we... Hey, Kevin, how are you going? Um, tell Kevin we sent you. And you get a discount. Oh, no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's that's my news from from the blockchain association. Pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, um, it looks good because I mean, the, for the, we've had no one doing this. Now you're involved. It's great. And as you got creative areas all in this, you mix them all all around all around event. Yeah. Um, other big news that we will. I'm working on a uh, podcast coming up next week, hopefully, uh, with uh, looking at the Internet of Things, um, and this is again this kind of. A, personal interest there's a there is strangely enough uh, a tie-in with blockchain and, yeah. and the iot so um, i'll be talking with some of the leaders and that is dell uh, some some big guys from dell will be, will be joining me for a podcast um, and hopefully from microsoft as you are as well so we want to get a really top-down conversation about iot and then we'll see where uh, where we go from there if we can have a a look in the conversation with some of the startups who are involved in that too that would be really interesting so anyone who's got interest in internet of things get in touch and uh, I'd, be, I'd love to hear from you and see see if we can have a conversation about what you're doing yeah, I'm pretty sure there's no IoT but happening very soon in, in Dublin I'm pretty sure there is as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. if I was a conference organiser I'd be organising one so. I think there's one in the Crow Park as far as I'm aware of but Wow! I saw, the, I saw it advertised briefly <laughs> recently in the in the Business Post. I'm not sure the exact date, but I, I didn't saw, but I just think they saw and another event that couldn't make it. Yeah. Right, and it was that busy. We had a lot of events. Well, funny enough, I mean, I guess Stadium is a really interesting place to have an IoT event. Um, if you look at sort of the the the, the data that you can draw from. Uh, 60,000 people under one roof and, yeah. and you know so this is I think a, a big sports arena like that is a, is a strangely appropriate place I know they're not going to be putting 60,000 people in <laughs> to listen to an IoT event but um, what's the interesting crossover yeah I met a guy earlier this year who has a, has a product that uh, it's used in America and what this is that when you go to an event, it, it, it tracks who you are, where you're going. You get a mm. wristband, and the wristband tells them where you are, where you're going. Mm. So you can target towards your smartphone yeah. uh, things. So that, you know, if you're at Crow Park, for example, you need Crow Park, it then tells you, oh, Queen's Pub is doing discount on food. If you come in there, it shows you, it shows you uh, show them this message on your phone. Mm. We'll give you, we'll give you discount off your meal, or, or give you a free pint. Now, this, yeah. these guys that in America, I met them late last year. They did it in America. And these guys are the Super Bowl. These guys are huge, you know, mm. huge. And they came into here last year and started doing this. Things called eventies of the guys in Ireland who were doing it with them. They're mm. the Irish guys partners of this event. And the idea is that if you go to like some like a uh, strange food or any festivals in Ireland, your wristband gets you into all the events. And you have, uh-huh. and wristband will have, when he goes the scans it and the, the scanner will tell them right up different colour wristbands. Look at one wristband, and inside it is data on the barcode, and that data tells a person. What level you are? If you're a VIP or non person sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Because normally events, if you if you see somebody with a certain difficult wristband, you kind of get miffed where they have, yeah. haven't got. No, true, true. This way it's hidden. I mean, you walk in, you scan this, and then it, what this is, it also tracks where you're going going around. Yeah. So any sponsored event, it can tell the sponsor by the way. Uh, Ron and Ruben went in and they spent uh, an hour looking at the yeah. hamburger stands, so sure, food sure, stands. Sure, sure, sure. And you can you can tell sponsors. 
uh, yeah, exactly. metrics. So there's loads of data you can draw from that. I mean, I think one of the the things that people have done in the past with events is to develop an app for the event and I've never found that really too beneficial I've always found that a bit clunky when they say oh just download the app and I don't want to if I'm just going to an event for a day or two days the last thing I want is another app on my phone you know so so the, a smart band or something like that wearable tech I think is, is, is very useful and it's getting more tangible too it seems that it's a uh, yeah, with the IoT now, there are sensors everywhere. They're talking about proliferation or exponential growth of sensors and, and uh, processing at source. Yeah. So, so this is all, I guess, where that's coming from. I've, um, seen, I've seen guys now who develop one app, and the app is for all computers when you go to it. So when you download yeah, it once, I know, yeah. And that, that what that does is when you go to an event, and it, it tells you, oh, you're going to a new event, and so you're going to like a internet event or a web summer event. And it will actually have it all on there and tell you what's what's uh, what's actually uh, uh, what's going on. Rather than it to ten apps, to one app, yeah. and it updates what's going on around you. Yeah, you'd want to be going to a lot of events again. Like I mean, I, you know, apps. Oh. I'm kind of done with them. Like only the essentials, only the, the the really important ones are what stay alive on my phone. I think, but um. Yeah, that's all I've got running today. Um, yeah, just be- just before we go, just to let us know, people know that in the last month we recorded 11 podcasts in May. Ruben Godfrey joined the podcast team and became number one Irish tech podcast in the iTunes tech charts. And we're still doing very well along doing the top 30 at the moment. And uh, we're hopping around that and up, up and down at the European uh, 30 to number 3 or 4. So we're doing very well. And hopefully, as we get more podcasts and, and do a couple more topics, We'll be a regular feature in the top ten. Yeah, and just on that, I mean, we thrive on on feedback from you guys. We've had some excellent uh, feedback, specific uh, feedback about our podcast, about people who want to get involved. Reach out, get in touch. Um, we're, we're easy to find on Twitter or, or LinkedIn or directly through the website. Yeah. So do get in touch if you have any questions or you want to be involved. Let us know. Um, we're all ears and... Uh, as I said earlier on, content is king, so uh, yeah. <laughs> create, create, create. And keep an eye on our Chickens website for nice. any, and also Twitter for latest information. Perfect. Right, thanks. Thanks very much, Ron. Nice talking to you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, cheers.